welcome to the Echo Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. So this week was an interesting one for me. Um, I was raised in the church. I'm a pastor's daughter. At the age of seven, I've been a member of this church. This is the only church I've served in, the only church I've volunteered in, the only church I've worked in, the only church that I've ever known. I spent a year at Bethel, but at Bethel I didn't serve or volunteer because I was a student. There were guidelines, rightfully so. I'm so nervous. Shaking, I don't even know why. Um, And so at the age of seven, I've been here and I've heard, you know, 52 times 30 years of sermons and twice a day often and several times during the week and I've heard a lot in my short life. It's my birthday on Saturday, my uh, getting older life. And um, I said to Justin this week, who is a, for those that don't know, Justin is a walking Bible dictionary. He's got a photographic memory. He knows where every verse is. It really should excite me. Instead, it frustrates me. So this week I said to Justin, hey, Justin, where's the verse? Because when I'm just being a bit lazy to look it up myself, I just ask him, where's the verse that we are Jesus' hands and feet? He goes, it's not in there. What do you mean it's not in there? It's not a verse. What do you mean? Yes, it is. Of course it's a verse. I've heard it my whole life. We're his hands and feet. It's not a verse, Lee. Let me look it up. It's not a verse. And I am baffled. Yes, your pastor is making scripture up. (laughs) Baffled. I am so confused on why this isn't a verse in the Bible. I've heard it my whole life. And obviously there's enough scripture in the Bible to reference that we are his hands and feet. It's just not an actual verse. So for the last couple of weeks, I've been meditating on a sermon about we being his hands and feet, and I don't have the scripture to back me on this. I can pull apart lots of scriptures to say, here's my sermon and here's how I got to this conclusion and here's how it all makes sense, but it's not actually a Bible verse. So when you're preparing a message and it's the week of and you realise your foundation scripture doesn't exist, you go into a slight panic mode. So then I spent some time with the Lord so confused going, okay, it doesn't exist, rightio. And God said, let me show you four scriptures that does. So this is completely out of context for me. I like to preach a certain way and instead I'm preaching on four verses and that's it. Just four verses, and they're actually in the Bible. They're not made up by me. (laughs) You can actually find them. Is that all right today? They're all on sent ones, so there is some cohesiveness to this and some point to it, and and I feel it's going to be powerful. And, yeah, Jesus, yeah, God, we just open our hearts to you right now in Jesus' name. Amen. So um, these four verses, they work and they're... Self-sufficient, I guess. The first one I want to talk about this morning is 1 John 4, 17b, the second half of the verse. That's what the B means. 1 John 4, 17. Here we go. In this world, we are like Jesus. In this world, we are like Jesus. Think about it. In this world, we are like Jesus. We're not Jesus. We are like Jesus. In other words, 
We could be the only Jesus representation that our workplace currently has, that maybe our family currently has, our friendship groups have, our neighbourhood has, our supermarket has. We could be the only Jesus representation in that and we need to acknowledge we are like Jesus. We need to get an understanding and a revelation of we are like Jesus. As I was thinking about this scripture, I thought about what does that look like? What did Jesus' life look like? Because if I'm to be like Jesus, I need to know what that looks like so I can be like it. What did Jesus' life look like? He was completely free. Free of fear, free of worry, free of life, free of man, free of it all. Completely free. He lived a completely free life. He lived in intimacy with the Father. He didn't doubt, should I go here, should I go there? No, he asked the Father, where should I go? What do you want me to do? Completely intimate, completely um, open heaven relationship with the Father. Powerful, saw signs, wonders, miracles. Jesus' life is like no other and we are to be like that. We are like that, sorry. not to, The Bible says we are like that in this world. Think about your life right now. Are you like that? Are you like that? Our theme this year is Sent Ones. Jesus, that was his life. He didn't stake, you know, he moved from place to place because that's what God asked of him. That's where God took him. He followed the Father's directions and went that way. When I was thinking about this, I thought, hmm, this message right here, this verse right here could be feel, could feel, and I'm going to ask you to keep an open heart right now, could feel pressure, could feel I can't do that, could feel that's too much work, could feel overwhelming, could feel an array of emotions. I could feel an array of emotions being like Jesus. But the emotion we should experience the most is excitement. When I think about this concept, if it doesn't excite me that my life can look like Jesus's, there's something wrong inside of me. There's something wrong inside of my life. When I think of Jesus's life, I should be excited that I want the same life, that I wanna live how He lived, that I wanna act and believe. And imagine the mind games, I call it mind games, I don't know what your mind's like, you know, the mind ping pong, I wouldn't live with if I learnt to redeem and renew my mind like Jesus. Let's just start with that one element. I feel like that's a universal one. We all have thoughts that we have to rein in. Jesus didn't. He asked the cup to pass him by. He didn't want to go on the cross. He asked that one to pass him by. But that's my only recollection in the Bible where Jesus went, eh, don't want to do it. He did what the Father placed in front of him. And then I was thinking about my life. What excites me? I was away for three nights this week without the kids. A, I was so excited going. But seeing their faces when I got home, oh, And I could stand up here and say, if seeing your kids excites you more than living the life of Jesus does, something's slightly off. I'm not saying seeing your kids shouldn't excite you. It should. But living like Jesus should be above it it all. Seeing your spouse, 
going to a nice restaurant. All of these things should excite you, going on holidays, planning trips, having a weekend away. All of these should excite you. Should excite you. But not to the detriment of seeing Jesus' life and living like Jesus on this earth, in this world. So I want to challenge you today, if that doesn't excite you, if that makes you feel pressured, if that makes you feel it's too hard, if that makes you feel that's unattainable, if that makes you feel too much responsibility, I'm going to ask you right now to turn your ears off to my voice and turn your mind on to what Holy Spirit wants to do in your heart. A Christian should never feel pressure. A Christian should never feel weighty. His yoke is light. We should not have these thoughts of it's too hard, I don't want to do it, it's living like Jesus, it just seems too full on. Spend some time with Holy Spirit right now and do this one, if that's all right. Verse number two ties in. 1 Corinthians 11.1. Be imitators of me, Paul writes, as I imitate Christ. What? What boldness. Paul actually said that. Can you say that? Can I say that? Certain points in time I can. Can I make that bold statement? Imitate me, church, neighbourhood, street, friends, imitate me. As I imitate Christ. I was thinking about this verse and yeah, it ties in and it's great and powerful and I've always heard the verse and went, well, Paul's got guts. And then you put in the context of that's actually who we're to be. So it's not like Paul's just speaking random, bold language, but it's actually who we're meant to be. We actually, God doesn't say things to then go, eh, but you're not going to be able to achieve it. He says it because that's the goal. He's going to enable, he's going to help, he's going to give us gifts so we can see that come to fruition. So imitate me as I imitate Christ. As I was thinking about this verse, I thought of my childhood. As I said, I'm the pastor's daughter. So we came to church every time there was an event on. And I remember I was in year nine and I drove to church with my dad. Often I came early with dad because I just like to come early. And um, we were driving and I remember vividly turning off Frankston Freeway onto Springvale Road. I grew up in Patterson Lakes and uh, on the way. And I said to dad, so I'd been year nine, how old's that? Whatever, 14, 15, 14. I said, dad, I don't want to go youth anymore. Now, in my heart, obviously I felt comfortable saying that to my father, which is a testimony and a miracle in itself because he's the pastor. And to say I don't want to do a church thing to the pastor, that's a big thing to say. So I won't go youth anymore, Dad. He goes, why's that? I said, at youth I'm not accepted. At school, I am. The church kids, they don't like me for me. But my unsafe school kids, they accept me for who I am. 
I can be me. I don't put on a facade. I'm not fake. He goes, okay. Use the non-negotiable, which I knew he was going to say. <laughs> but I still told him how I felt. Again, that's a miracle. And he goes, it's a non-negotiable, but every Friday night I'll pick your school friends up and they can come too. Now, you might think that's, that's an easy thing. You've got to understand, church is in Dingley. We live in Patterson Lakes, and I went to school in Mornington. All my friends live between Mornington and Balnaring. So we're not talking about it's five minutes out of the way. We're talking about it's half an hour, 40 minutes out of the way. He went, I'll bring them. So every week I came to youth, and every week Dad drove them home. And when there was a big, like, youth meeting... We'd have a car full, six kids, dad, it was a seven-seater, buy us all cheeseburgers on the way home and drop off at all their houses and drop them off. He showed me what Jesus would do. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. In that moment of time, he imitated Christ in a way that I needed it. You go, it's just simply driving a car. I know, it was just simply driving a car. But I needed that driving in the car. I'd like to say that was the only time I've been hurt in this church. It's not. <laughs> How good would it be if that was my only sad story? It's not. But look, I'm still here. My heart is that everyone in here, everyone that walks through these doors, like I know we're talking about sent ones, I'm just bringing it home for a second, okay? That everyone that comes in these doors, that they can look at everyone and go, I want to imitate their life. I want to imitate their life. I want you to be able to look at me and go, I want to imitate your life because I see Christ. And I'm going to say this, I'm fully self-aware of my personality. For those that don't know, I'm a task person. I have a gift administration. Pastoral is not a strong point. And I know that I can just ask for help week in, week out. Message, can you help with this? Can you help with this? Can you? Fully aware. <laughs> That's my strong suit. But the last thing I'd ever want is for people to go, nah. So I'll say this. If I've hurt you, if the church has hurt you, I'm extremely sorry and come and say something because that's not our heart. We want to be proud to go imitate me as I imitate Christ. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. What a calling. What a privilege. What a dad. My dad was not perfect. Love you, Dad. I know he's watching. But I could tell you story after story of times where he st stood in the gap and showed me Christ. Let's put a hand up to do the same, yeah? And then equally say sorry when we're messing it up. Right now, don't imitate me. I'm not looking like Christ. Sorry. Give me a second. We're good now. Verse number three. Matt 5, 14 and 15. Two parts in these two verses I want to highlight. You are the light of the world. Ah, see the salty just fly. It just makes sense. You are the light of the world. <laughs> Second part. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a hood. You are the light of the world. No one lights a, a lamp and puts it under a hood. 
Can I just say it like this? You are the lower world. That's pretty basic. We all know that concept. We are the, well, we are the light of the world. Can we just talk about this one? No one lights a lamp and puts it under a hood. Let me put it this way. Why would you cover up a lamp? Who in their right mind would light a lamp and cover it up? You would have to be crazy to turn on a light and cover it up. What are you thinking to cover it up? What's going through your mind to cover it up? Why would you even think that that is a good idea to light it and cover it up? Why even light it if you're going to cover it up? That's what that verse says to me when I read it. (laughs) Insight into how I think. There is so much in that. Why would you cover it up? No one does it. No one. So then I was thinking about 13 years ago, we lived in Dingley. Justin and I bought our first house in Dingley. And I was coming home from Safeway. You know, it's just like simple. One minute, two minute drive home. And it's at night time and I'm driving home and these cars are honking me and flashing at me. I'm thinking, what is their problem? I get home and I realise my lights aren't on. I'd like to say that was the only time I've done that. (laughs) (laughs) Now I've gotten done when people do that, check the lights. Why would you drive a car at night time when it's dark with no lights? You wouldn't, would you? Why? It's dangerous. Let me just speak Christian here. Off topic, doesn't matter. Christian, it is actually dangerous for you to not have your light on. Your own life, it's actually dangerous. Let me explain that a bit more. If you say yes to Jesus and don't tell anyone and don't look like Christ so they see a difference, it's dangerous. That's dangerous. Who would light a lamp and cover it? You wouldn't do it. You're going to light it and let it shine. You're going to light it and tell the whole world. You're going to light it and let it be seen, not only for your path, for others to see. When you drive a car at night time, you turn the light on for your safety and theirs. Represent, follow me as I follow Christ. My light is shining for my life and for yours. Every house we've lived in, bar the first one when Justin and I got married on Saturday, it will be 18 years. I got married on my 21st birthday. Stupid decision. I have to share my birthday every year. Why didn't someone tell me, Lee, what are you thinking? Our first house we lived in, in, it was Sky Road, Frankston, so it was a main street. So we didn't make friends with those neighbours, we were there for eight months. Every other house, we've been friends with all of our neighbours. It's just a core value of mine. I'm living near you, you're friends. Isn't that how it goes? I might be challenging some of you right now. It's just what you do. You introduce yourself, you say hi, and if they don't want it, you keep going. (laughs) I have great neighbours. I'm in a court, one of my neighbours is here. I'm gonna dob him in, Les, second week here. Go say hi to him. Hi, Les. (laughs) 
Now, Les lives across, across and down from us on an angle at the court. My kids know, this isn't my sermon, I'm just filling you in on my life. My kids know that if Les's garage is open, Les is in the garage. Mum, can I go say hi to Les? And depending on Jude's confidence level, he'll either go by himself or you come, Mum, you come. So we have to go and say hi to Les all the time. Good thing we have good neighbours who are okay with my children. Mark and Fiona live at the head of our court. They have a dog. I'm in the court talking to Mark one week. Now, I talk to my neighbours every week just because that's what you do, isn't it? I'm talking with Mark out the front. Kids go, where's Fiona? Fiona's inside. They let themselves in through the doggy door (laughs) to get to Fiona because they know where she has lollies. I am not lying. <laughs> Judy, Les's wife. Jude, I go, I've got to return. I borrow things all the time. <laughs> I've got to go return their dehydrator. Mum, can I come see Judy? Sure. He's just had all his afternoon tea and he's got his bowl of nectarine. Yep, sure. Bring your nectarine. He's carrying the bowl of nectarine eating. We get to do the fence to go through because we let ourselves in through the back door. Sorry, Les. Let ourselves in. <laughs> We get to the back door, he's finished his nectarine. Mum, I think I'm starving. (laughs) So then we get to the actual back door to open it. Hi, Judy. I'm definitely starving, Mum, definitely. And then Judy hears him and she's so gracious and she gives him fruit, not the lolly jar. Thanks, Fiona. Gives him fruit and he has a ball of a time. Thanks, Judy. Deep voice. So I'm talking to Mark one day in the court. I don't know if it's the same day the kids are letting themselves in or not. But anyway, I'm talking to Mark. No, it was just me. We're talking about travel, overseas travel. And, you know, he's done lots of travel, we've done lots of travel. So just sharing stories. We're actually doing the garbage, shaking the bins out. And um, as we're talking, he said, yeah, my first big travel, um, Fiona didn't come. I just took the boys. Fiona had a phobia of flying. She's since had some counselling and, and all good. Phobia of flying. So I took the boys and my sister came. Wait for it. Sorry, I lie. And my born-again Christian sister came. Now, you don't say born-again unless someone's used that language to you. Like, people just say Christian. Born-again And I didn't make a big fuss. They know we're pastors. They know I do welfare work. I just let it pass and he's telling me his stories and at that point in time I went huh if she's anything like I am I pray for my unsafe family and I pray because they live in Sydney that Christians will come across their paths because I don't get to see them and I pray for that I went born again Christian there's a strong chance she's praying for this couple and I get to partner with her prayer and I'm going to see it answered I am not God, but I'm going to be the mouthpiece because imitate me as I imitate Christ. And I speak to Mark several times a week and Fiona and I know they're going to get saved. They'll be in this building one day or maybe his sister's church, but you'll get to meet them because I know without a shadow of a doubt, (laughs) seeds have been sown, words have been spoken, God's word does not come back void so a miracle's going to take place. Now, I get the privilege of being a part of that. 
Church, you get the privilege of being the part of other people's stories. What a privilege. Verse number four. John 17, 20. Hmm. Sorry, I'm just processing. I'm going to say it. We have another neighbour. And uh, he's not a Christian. No, Les might correct me on this. He lives next door to Les. Forgotten his name. I don't talk to him. Scott. Is that right? Scott. It's duty witnesses to Scott. And he came over, he messaged Justin and said, can, can we have coffee and talk about this whole Christianity business? And this is when Justin first took time out and he goes, I can give you an hour. And you might go, this guy's ready and open to hear. What do you mean you're giving him an hour? This is why I was nervous to share this. Hear our heart. So Justin sat down with him for an hour. Like, we've got a neighbour across the road. We see him all the time. So it's not like it's we're never going to see you again. And he asked heaps of questions and they had a full dialogue on what Christianity is and he's got some understanding and water baptism and yada, yada. He messaged Justin this week. Now, I've been away. So Justin's been a single parent. He messaged Justin this week, can we have another chat? And you could think, and I know like Trent's an evangelist, so he might be, ah. Yeah, but not this week. You go, but someone wants to hear. Yeah. Yeah. And they're hungry and they'll be hungry next week. God is still going to move, answer prayer, which I'm going to explain in a second. He's still going to show up in massive ways and he also knows where we're at. You are not the saviour of the world. We partner with him. So don't put pressure on yourself to try and be everyone's answer because you're actually not. John 17, 20, check this verse out. My prayer, this is Jesus, is not for them alone, talking about the disciples, a.k.a. Christians. So here we go. Jesus is saying, I can't wait to read this verse. Jesus is saying, my prayer... He's praying not just for the Christians. Get this? I pray also for those who believe in me through your message. My prayer is not just... Jesus is currently praying for you. I think you all know that, don't you? If you don't, you do now. Jesus is currently praying for you, but not just you, but for those who don't believe, but are going to believe through your message. Not through the message of Lee's great, through the message of Jesus came to die for you that I'm going to share with people. That message, you know, the message. Jesus is currently praying for those people. So you go, well, I'm praying for my aunts and uncles. I've been praying for my granddad for decades. And you heard when dad spoke at the age of 97, an atheist man became a Christian. I've been praying for decades for my granddad. My prayer has changed now. He's now Christian, but my aunts and uncles aren't. So I am praying for them and I'm praying for 
Christians to come along their path. I'm praying for their eyes and ears to open. I'm praying for miracles to come and presents to come. I'm praying for a whole array of things. But I'm not just the only one praying. Jesus is praying for them. Hmm. And He's waiting for people to open their mouths and share the message. Again, not a pressure. I just want to really hmm, make it clear. Jesus never felt pressured to share the good news. And we are to be like Jesus. We should never feel pressured to share the news, the, the good news. And so this verse got me so excited because it shows Jesus' heart to these people. And it shows that I'm not doing it by myself. And I've always said that. We're in partnership with him. We're doing it together. But when I read that, the penny dropped. Because who knows, you can say things, but, you know, <laughs> believing them's another thing. The penny dropped of Jesus' heart is praying for them right now and I get the privilege of sharing the message. Who knows the prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. <laughs> if that's my prayer, who knows how powerful Jesus is. It's the same, I should say. It's powerful and effective. It's perfect. But he's there praying. So what does that tell me? It tells me I need to open my mouth. Ah. That's scary. I know. I know. But we get to open our mouth and share. And the pressure's not on us. It's not on us. I'm going to end with this thought. I shared this many years ago as a church, so I'm sorry if you heard this. I was reminded of it this week. Um, Justin and myself are fanatical, fanatical fans of Seinfeld. I hope we haven't lost some people right now. <laughs> like, seriously, it's the best series ever. Seinfeld. It's horrific. <laughs> Let's be honest. The characters are horrible people. <laughs> but we've put that on hold at the moment because we've been watching The Office US. So now I've probably really lost some of you. That is so cringeworthy and I laugh out loud with tears on a regular basis. <laughs> I have a weird sense of humour, clearly. So I haven't been watching Seinfeld because we've been watching The Office and... Um, I was reminded this week of my revelation I got from Seinfeld years ago that I shared. So for those of you who have heard this before, just receive again. For those of you who haven't heard, get ready. Because God reminded me this week, when I spoke about it a couple of years ago, I spoke about it in the context of us. This week God did it in the context of how he sees us. So if you've seen Seinfeld, it's got four characters and the four characters are in every episode of the entire series bar one. And it's in season one. And in, there's an episode with just Jerry and Elaine. And George Costanza is not in the episode. And George goes to the producers when obviously the episode's written and they're going through it. If my character, this is what he says to the writers and the producers, if my character is not important enough to be in every episode of this series, write me out now. 
what bothers? If my character is not important enough to be in every episode, take me out. And God reminded me this week, your life is so important. You need to be in every, every, every episode of your life because you're not written out. You're not written out. And God sees the importance and sees your life. I know we're talking about characters of a TV series, but let's just bring it into. He sees your life and goes, you are that important. You need to show up every day because you are that important. I'm not writing you out of days. I'm not writing you out of episodes. I'm not writing you off because you're going through a hard time, because you made a mistake, because you stuffed up. Sorry, Mum. Because you made bad choices. I'm not writing you out. Your character is too important. Your life is too important to miss a day, to miss an episode, to miss being, to miss showing up. How good is that? So, you are George Costanza. (laughs) One of the most horrible people on the planet. (laughs) Your life is that important to show up to be in every day, every episode. Your life is valuable. Your life is worthy. Your life is... Um, your life is worth Jesus saying, we are like Jesus to this earth, to this world. We are like Jesus to this world. Father, I thank you so much for your truth, for your word, for your promises. I thank you so much that you are moving in our lives, God. And I pray, Jesus, that we think about your life. We're going to get excited. When we think about how your life looked, we're going to feel excited and proud and privileged to live a life like you. That we're going to have boldness to be able to say, follow me, imitate me as I imitate Christ. That we're going to let our light shine, God. We're not going to cover it up. We're going to turn it on and let it shine. And may we have a revelation of as we speak your message, as we speak your truth, as we speak your gospel, as we step out, God, that you are praying Jesus for these people, that we're not doing it on our own, but we're doing it with you, God. So again, we declare this year over our lives as a year of sent ones. We're saying yes to what you're... We're saying yes what you've done in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.